welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. This past year, there has been all kinds of upheaval, both for people I know personally and around the world. In times of suffering, love can feel distant or like a soft answer to very sharp problems. And so I've been thinking a lot about what love in these situations looks like. This wondering shaped the following poem, which is called What Love Asks of Us. What Love Asks of Us. When, as a child, I asked what love meant, I was given this story. God gave up part of himself to be with us, split off a whole third, made soft and vulnerable, delivered into the world without expecting anything back, knowing, in fact, it would kill him. Ever since, I have been trimming little splinters of myself and handing them out, trying to patch the many gaps in the outlines of others, as if these gifts could somehow stave off sorrow in a world that feels like it's all teeth, rage everywhere. Though this anger is, in a small way, understandable. Don't we all want to be swept up in something? We want the skies opened, filled with lightning, if not hundreds of halos. Anything other than standing here, saying, peace be with you, alone. A thin wish that flickers out before anyone sees it. I want to come to the world with open hands, but how do you love a creature that keeps biting you? Most days, I struggle to believe in goodness, let alone be it. But this is when the story comes back to me, saying, you do not have to be infinite. You do not have to be perfect or even fearless. What the Lord asks his followers is to be honest. And isn't that, at its core, what love is? To look the whole messy reality straight in its face and pick it anyway? which, this story promises, is what God does. God comes to wrap his hand around your fingers. All you have to do is be held. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, my name is Micah, if we haven't met, and I want to begin this evening by offering you just the most joy-filled, exuberant, um, buoyant welcome to Christmas Eve that I possibly can. Um, our team, uh, staff, and volunteers, like we have been prepping and thinking about tonight for months in advance. Uh, we've been practicing and rehearsing, and I hope that maybe more than anything else, you leave tonight knowing that we thought about you before you got here, that you were considered, that a table uh, was set for you to experience Christmas Eve and hopefully um, maybe even an encounter with God. Um, as we begin, I'll say, if you're new to Awaken, uh, we're really glad that you're here. I'd love to know that you were with us. We'd love to know that you were here. So in the seat pockets in front of you, or if you go to our website, Awaken West 7th, you can fill out a card there. And just let us know that you were with us. We would love to know that. We'll invite you to a beverage of your choice, and we can get to know you a little. You can get to know us. If you're looking for a church, uh, we'd love to know that. Uh, if you fill those cards out or you have tithes or offerings tonight, there are black boxes at each of the exits. You can put those things in there. And as year comes to an end, uh, just a thank you to the people who call Awaken Home and make this place what it is. Like, deeply, deeply grateful. So thank you. Um, I know that it's Christmas Eve and that I only have a few minutes before the youngest among us decide that Mike is done talking for the night. So we're going to cut right to it, you know, straight to it. No anecdotes or silly stories. I'll begin maybe with a couple of appetizers before the main course. Number one, either there is a God or there isn't. Can we just get that out in the room, right? Like lots of people come to Christmas and maybe you're here because uh, you're convinced that there is a God. Or maybe you're here because you were invited and you're not really sure. So just want to be honest about that fact that there is, there's a lot of opinions or thoughts in the room. And so either there is a God or there isn't. Um, we love sort of both sides-ism, right, where we can have our cake and eat it too. Want to keep all the possibilities open. But on this one, it kind of can't be both. It's either this or that. Um, either we're alone out here in the world, and, uh, or there is something else. There's a source, a, an energy, a, a divine being. Call it God, call it love, call it the universe, call it whatever, but we're not alone. So either we are or we aren't. And I'm going to begin with the assumption that we are not, that we are not alone, that there is a divine being, that there is a God, a, a source from which all of this began. And so the next question for me is, is that God knowable? Can, is that, can we be close to that God? Is that God near to us? Or is that God somewhere off in the distance eating bonbons and watching Netflix? You know, Like, how does this work? Is God interested in what happens here or not? And I think Christmas is one of those moments that we gather around in a year and where a tradition 2,000 years, well, longer, maybe 3,000 years old, and a group of people who have been following and participating in it say for a moment, yes, there is an answer to those questions. And the answer is yes. 
There is a God, and that God is knowable. That God is near, and we know it as Emmanuel in the story of Christmas. So tonight, I am preaching my 14th Christmas Eve sermon at Awaken. <clears throat> Every year, thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> thank you, okay. Not a lot of people make it that far in this job. Um, but 14 years, every year, at Christmas Eve, we pick a, a word, uh, a, a lens through which to see and understand the story through. We sort of put that word or that idea out in front of this thing, and we explore it and wonder. And so we've chosen words like home and waiting, invitation. Last year, the word melody. This year, the word is journey. And during Advent, these weeks prior to and leading up to Christmas, we've looked at those in and around the Christmas story who have gone on journeys to get to this scene we call the manger. We've looked at Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist. We looked at Joseph, the husband of Mary and adoptive father of Jesus, Mary herself. We looked at Mary and Joseph as they went from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the Magi who come from the east. Last week, the shepherds who heard the announcement of the angels in the fields in Bethlehem nearby. Tonight, I want to explore the, the idea of God journeying from heaven to earth, from divinity to humanity, from power to vulnerability. What does God's journey say about God? Uh, the word journey, by definition, means something suggesting travel or passage from one place to another. And I think the journey or the journeys that people go on say a lot about who they are. Take, for example, the sabbatical for the Witham family in 2018. Some of you were here around then, and we were on a three-month sabbatical gifted to us from the church, and so we were gone for 90 days. A little bit about uh, what happened in those 90 days. In 90 days, I slept in my own bed 14 times. We took a gigantic road trip from Minnesota, across the Dakotas, across Montana, a little bit of Idaho, Washington to Seattle. Then we went down the coast from Washington and Oregon into L.A., where we then took a, a plane to Australia, where Laura had some family. My oldest uh, child and I, we surfed on three continents that summer. Uh, we walked a little bit of the Camino in Spain that year. <clears throat> I built what was called the Wilderness Wagon. Uh, the, the Witham family, affectionately known as the, so for our road trip, I took like a, you know, utility trailer from Northern Tool, and I thought, I'm going to kit this thing out. So I built like a, a, a flip top in the back, had a, a cooktop and a, uh, uh, what do you call it, refrigerator, anything you can keep cold, Tommy. I had a refrigerator in the back there. I had a, like a large cargo space, uh, and I thought, I didn't think to test it. <laughs> so the night before we are ready to go on a cross-country road trip, I'm like, let's see if this baby's roadbed ready. It was not, not even close. At like anything over 50 miles an hour, this trailer was going like this behind my car. Evidently, you have to really weight those things properly. You know, you got to get it balanced. And so I called my friend Josh, and I'm like, I think I've wrecked our sabbatical. So Josh came into my house until like 3.30 in the morning. We're lying in my driveway. We took the axle off the trailer, moved it back, and reattached it to the trailer. The, the, the wilderness wagon made it to California and back. It has never seen the light of day since then. But that's a little bit about our, our Witham sabbatical. So like, what could you say about the Withams because of our journey that we took? You could say that we travel well together, the five of us, which we absolutely did and do. You could say that we shoot before we aim sometimes, some of us more than others. Uh, you could say that uh, we love nature and creation and exploring. You could say that we experience change as opportunity and not loss, which is true. 
So if that's a little bit about our journey and what you can say about the Withams, if there is a God and we can know this God, then what does the journey of God at Christmas tell us about God? I want to offer three things. First, when God arrives, it looks like vulnerability. Um, How many of you have been in Minnesota when the president has come to our town or our city or our state? Anyone out there? No, a couple of you. Do you all live here? (laughs) He's been here multiple times. (laughs) Evidently went to like uh, the shop on Grand where they sell spices and whatnot. And Matt's Bar in Minneapolis. I mean, there you go. But when the president comes to, to Minnesota, there are like sta- you know, blockades and traffic signals and like cops everywhere, sirens flashing, wailing. Uh, there's gigantic planes you know, co- that cost billions of dollars, bazillions of dollars. It is anything but vulnerability. It's the opposite. It's strength and power and security and protection. If you think about the shepherds when they were in the field that night and they heard the angels, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And this will be a sign to you. You will find God disguised as a baby lying in a manger wrapped in cloths. I think it it goes without saying, but it's important to start and note that if if God arrived, God could arrive any way they wanted to, Right? Uh, it could have been very appropriate to the time. Chariots and horsemen, trumpets and bannermen, javelins and spears, you know, people carrying coaches into town with the robes of kings. But no, it was actually the opposite of that. When God arrived, the one word, if I had to choose one word in the English language to describe God's arrival, the journey from heaven to earth would be vulnerable. Don't lose that in Christmas. That when the divine arrives to earth... It's as a baby, the most vulnerable thing you could be. (laughs) The second thing you could say about God's journey from heaven to earth is that there's nothing God won't give up for creation. I walked a part of the Camino this last year with my friends, and um, on one day, it was the hardest day of the whole trip. And uh, we went to a little mountaintop village called Armentiera. And this was about, uh, we went up 200 meters and then back down to sea level and then back up 500 meters to the top of this mountain. So it was 16 miles and a lot of elevation gain. It was hot, very hot. On the top of the mountain, there was no trees, so you're just getting scorched up there. And so this is the day I decided to go all in, right? I'm going to go as hard as I can and see if I can beat Steve, who always makes it to town first. I did. I did. So I'm sitting there, at you come down this little mountain and in this little creek valley, and you come into this plaza, and there's a, a lovely restaurant with people and a, a monastery. Literally, as I'm walking in, like bells are ringing, take my shoes off, order a cold one, and watch Steve Denny see me sitting at this, the patio. Steve comes down, and friends, we had it all. Like, in terms of the Camino, all you do is walk, eat, and sleep. That's it. So for our day... The mountain had been climbed. The miles had been accomplished. Like, it was all there. We had it all. We're sitting there with cold drinks in our hands, and we heard about our friend John, who was not even to the base of the mountain yet, who was not doing well. Like, might not make it not doing well. And so Steve, without saying a word, stands up, puts on his shoes, and he goes back. He walks six miles back to John, up the mountain, back down the mountain to where John is, takes John's pack on himself, and then walks with John all the way to the end of the day. My friend Steve had it all, and he gave it up for his friend John. 
There's this beautiful poem in him in in Philippians chapter 2 where Paul writes about this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now here's what he says about Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Paul says this Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, like Jesus, is, in, is the same essence of, the same substance of, on the same like uh, plane as, is God. But having said that, being found in the same essence of God, Jesus doesn't consider that something to be held onto or extracted or protected. No, actually he does the opposite of that. And willfully, volitionally sets that down. I, what I mean to say is, Jesus had it all. And for love and, and, and creation, gives it up and becomes a human. This is the journey of God at Christmas. In vulnerability, giving up everything for us. And last, I would say that what we learn about God is that there is a path and a journey that leads us home. Does anybody remember last winter? <laughs> it's hard right now, right? You look out, out the side. I'm looking outside right now. It's like 60 degrees out there. What is happening to us in this world? But last year at this time, there were like six feet of snow on the ground, if you remember that. And if you've ever been in a really big snowstorm, you know, like thigh-high snowstorm, if you have to go outside for something, it is, it's, it's a lot of work. I remember coming home from Madison one time, and it had snowed, and all the snow had drifted over the top of our, our driveway, which was very long. And our neighbors did not shovel it or snow blow it. So we came home, and I literally had to, like, trudge my way through the snow to get to the front door. That's a lot of work for the person who goes first, amen? But for everybody who follows, if they only go in the footsteps of the one who went first, it's far less difficult. If you're a fly fisherman and you wander around Minnesota in the summertime, you know that in July and August, the prairie grasses and the bristles and the, the, the brambles and thistles, they literally get like person high, head high. And so to get to the water sometimes, you have to like put your rod up over your arms and cut through the, the, the thistles and the brambles. But The first person has it rough, but everybody who follows, there's a path. Someone has made a path. I would suggest to you at Christmas, what we see in God, in this Jesus, is the person who's gone first, who has um, cut the path for us. And this path, arguably, leads us home. It's the path that leads to what we were made for. It's the path that leads us to a place where we can truly be ourselves and we can put down the armor and stop wearing the masks and be known for who we truly are. And I don't know about you, but I'm guessing if we got deep enough in all of us, we all long for that. And this is a home, uh, this path leads us to peace. And if you've watched the news or you don't live under a rock, you know that our world desperately needs peace. And so the foolishness of this story, the foolishness of Christmas, and God coming to us as a baby, vulnerably, sacrificially, taking what was rightfully his and setting it down for the sake of love and saying it's this way that to home, is that that path and that journey and that invitation is not only has been walked, but has be, is, is, is offered to you and I tonight. The question is whether or not we believe Jesus is who he said he was. That we believe this story is what it is claiming to be, which is the way home. 
the way to peace. And so I offer that to you this evening for your consideration. I don't know where you've come from or what you bring into this room, but if you're anything like me, I desperately need that path and need someone to say it's this way because I consistently make a mess of it on my own. And so I'm trusting this Jesus for what he said he had done, that, he, that he did and for the path that he has invited us to walk. So let me offer a word of prayer. I'll give you a moment just to think, and then I'll offer a word of prayer as we uh, continue this evening. God, as we gather in this place, we do so with um, varying levels of faith and doubt, wonder and skepticism. And I pray that for me and for my friends in this room tonight, you would remind us of who you are, what you have done as we gather around the lights of Advent and this moment where everything changed. Either we're alone and there is no God or there is, and Christmas offers an explanation of a whole lot of things about what you're like about the way in which you come to us and, and hold power and lay it down in order to enable and empower and lift up the lowly, the humble, the meek, the downtrodden. And so may that story find its way into our hearts. May the path that you led and that you walked, Jesus, be the one that we follow. And may it lead us home to peace, I pray. Before you go, just a couple of uh, quick announcements. The first of which is, um, if you come back next Sunday on the 31st of December, there will be no one here. And we would hate for you to do that. So we're glad you're here. We'd love for you to come back, just not next week. So December, uh, January 7th, Awaken will resume Sunday morning gatherings and we'll be back together then. So I invite you to join us then. Um, second, if for any reason you'd like prayer for, uh, for anything tonight, this can be a difficult time of year. Um, Skip, our prayer team leader, is up here in the front and would be happy and honored to pray with you and for you. Um, so before I invite you to extinguish these candles, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church gathered together said, Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you next time. You can find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter. Play with the community. See you next time.